thinking it through, what inspired me to actually be working with people to do this is my own podcast. And I came mm -hmm. to realize a little sidebar there, my podcast is called the She's All That Video Podcast, and it's women doing awesome shit. So when I would see a woman out there being in business or a social impact enterprise, doing something that just blows my mind and I want to tell the world about them, I would invite them to be on my podcast. And I really quickly came to understand, you know how we think everybody knows what we know. I really quickly came to understand that mm, most people don't know this concept of story and communication and how it has to be structured and how people hear and listen and learn. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What is up, guys? Got an exciting interview for you today. I got to sit down with September Smith. September is a consultant who helps her clients to build their brand story and then how to get on podcasts and other communication mediums to communicate that story in an effective way, helping them to be thought leaders. She's also the host of the She's All That podcast, where she interviews women who are doing really incredible things. And so we talked about the importance of just generating that brand story around who you are and why somebody should buy from you. We talked about the keys to developing that story and how to do it well, and then how to leverage that story to get on podcasts and other mediums to communicate your message. Overall, September is a lot of fun to talk to, a lot of great stories, anecdotes, and humor. So I know that you guys are going to enjoy this interview. September, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to get to talk to you today. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for having me on, Greg. I just love your topic, the Art of Communication. I love it too. Thank you. Thank you. So I think we're going to get into a ton of stuff just around how to communicate your brand, how to get free PR, the value podcast, all those kinds of things. But I'd love to start by getting a little bit of background from you. Just how did you get into this whole consulting media PR game to begin with? I kind of got into that. I started out as a mechanical engineer, which is not the obvious entree into this sort of thing. But um, do you know what? I think I really ended up getting into this. I lived in Japan for 15 years and was working with because I'm an engineer and had some Japanese, ended up getting more and more as time went on. I ended up working with academic researchers, scientists, that sort of thing to help them craft their technical papers to get them published. But it, mm. it kind of went beyond that. It was, I, I just had this vision of them. And it's like, no, no, no. You don't want to just put your stuff out there. You want this to be so memorable and so exciting that people are going to be quoting. It's going to be citing you. You're going to get invited to international conferences. And then it expanded out to, well, like, how would I do that? And how would I? So I ended up just sideways being hired as a consultant to work with people. These, these people who weren't, they're kind of left brain geek type people mm -hmm. helping them. How do you become more natural? How do you tell your story in a really compelling way that gets it across to people and has them, you're now in their memory, but it has them wanting more of you. For sure. So it just kind of happened sideways that way. It's interesting how applicable that is, right, to so many different things, right? So today you do a lot of work around podcasts and other mediums, just as applicable there as it was when you're thinking about technical papers and wanting to get in front of conferences. Basically, so it's 
how, how do you get it across so that people are listening, engaged, mm-hmm. and exciting? Otherwise, it's meaningless. You might as well have saved your time. I think that whole concept of personal branding and how do we drive it's really important. So I guess a good place to go is is just what are your thoughts or keys on how we can start to find that story about ourselves, craft it, create it, have confidence in it. Although, where do we start? I would say you start by asking someone else because the <laughs> hardest story to tell is your own story. And I mean, I can I can help clients. I can help I, I'm listening to somebody talking and in my mind, I'm processing how we're going to frame up that story and where the wow factors are, those, you know, like moments of fascination and how we're going to incorporate them into your story. You turn it around and try to do it for yourself. Oh my God, it's so difficult. Yeah. I had to actually do this and I had to do this recently for um, actually something, a, a, an assignment a coach set me. And I realized that from my 15 years in Japan, where you do not say anything positive about yourself, you don't talk about yourself. <laughs> if you're going to talk about yourself or your family, you'd even say, you know, oh, I'm so stupid and my kids are ugly kind of thing. <laughs> so it was it's so uncomfortable for me to be, to be talking about myself. So I would say both from just the psychology of it, everyone has trouble kind of looking at themselves objectively and seeing like where where where's the story here that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. The, the first step is, find somebody to help you figure that out. Interesting. I didn't expect that to be the first step necessarily, but you're right. You need that perspective. You need that outside perspective because you're crafting that brand and that story for outside consumption for somebody with new ears and eyes. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to produce that? So is the question to that other person is what's really compelling about me and my story, right? Something like that. Yeah, you have to be very choosy about who it is you're talking uh, to. For sure, for sure. It's got to be somebody who's really, that's their whole, their filter for how they look at the world is, is okay, let's d- dive in here and let's find out. First, you not, need to know what the goal is. Mm-hmm. Who am I talking to? And like, what do we need to get across? But then have them help you go through and just ask you questions and dig into your story. And I, when I do it with clients, it's it's usually a really fun, exciting Time mm-hmm. for them because they're like, oh my God, I totally forgot I did. I didn't even think how relevant it was that one recent conversation was, yeah, I didn't think it was relevant that I actually helped create the algorithm for one of the major search engines. Yeah, that's kind of relevant for your clients. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But we forget about those things about our about ourselves. Yeah, I imagine it's a pretty exciting conversation for folks to have. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you remember all over again. It's like, hey. I'm the shit. Or like, <laughs> you might want to check that out. <laughs> but like, hey, oh my God. Yeah, I am amazing. Yeah. Now, do you also coach them up on kind of how to communicate the concepts from that story to their audience? Right. Because oh, you can't like, just can't go up there and say, hey, I'm awesome. I made this great search engine. Right. It, yeah, there's, no, a, no. there's obviously a tact and a nuance to it. Yeah. I kind of generally I use the framework that my, my absolute favorite business book author is Donald Miller and his book, Story Brand, something, something story brand, but I just refer to it as Story Brand. He really draws on kind of the Joseph Campbell narrative of the hero's journey, but he applies it to business and leadership and and marketing a message. And basically, we have to look at, get in there, start really soon off there. The first thing when people are looking at a new speaker, the first thing they're thinking is, what's this about? The second thing they're thinking is, why do I care? Mm -hmm. So really quickly, you have to establish, okay, what's the problem that we're going to be talking about that this person is solving? And then grind on a little bit, like, why do we care? So we're going to structure it that way. And what are the ramifications if you don't take care of this problem? 
So by this time, people are, should be, if they're the, the right audience, they're emotionally invested in what you're saying. You've mm-hmm. taken them on this story. And then you move it to, with these fat moments of fascination from their life, these wow moments that you've unearthed, build that narrative out so that you, when you get to the point of explaining, and you don't have to be really overt about it, explaining why they are the person mm-hmm. that is the solution to your problem. They are the guide in Joseph Campbell and or Donald Miller parlance. You've laid the groundwork. It's it's the obvious conclusion. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the talk, the person that's listening to it, that audience, if they're receptive to this message and this solution, you've now created this narrative in their mind. And that's how we are wired. Our psychology, our human minds are wired to understand things in the framework of a story. Mm-hmm. You've, you've basically ticked all the, the boxes for this thing. And if you can do that compellingly, you now have a brand story that's going to help drive business. So you're helping them think through all those pieces, right? What What is the problem that we're solving? Obviously, who's Absolutely. the target audience? Why is it important to solve it? But then you're also aligning that with their own story in a way that almost seems like it's natural fit. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 Wow. And it actually, that knowing that story and, and knowing how to tell it should be the basis for all of your business communications. When you're mm-hmm. on a sales call or in your marketing or when you're speaking from stage, you're being interviewed in a podcast. And the thing that's most challenging when you're doing it in a podcast is that you can't just have your story in your head and I'm going to recite it like I was on the stage. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to draw upon it in the conversation that you're having in the interview. Yeah. So that's another mm, art and or just a matter of practice Mm -hmm. that I have to, that I work with people to make sure that you can use this fluently and apply it throughout any conversation you're having with a podcast host interviewer or with clients or potential clients. I love that. I assume you have a lot of people coming in like, I don't know why anybody would buy this for me and maybe walking away like, wow, this really is a, is a good fit. Like I, I see yes. my value now. Yes. So, so often. And, 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 like, and it goes back to that whole thing of why it's so hard to talk about ourselves or even think about why we want to put our product out front. It's the same thing. You can kind of hide behind it. And in some products, yes, maybe you shouldn't be out front of house because Bob's face isn't the face that's going to sell this product or needs to sell this product. But in many cases, you are an integral part of the product you're selling. So to be able to relax into it and feel confident and know that this this is how I tell the story about that this thing that I offer, this product or the service that I offer, but also why the way I do it and the person I am is important to mm-hmm. how it all comes together. Yeah, I bet there's also a balance that's found sometimes. Like you don't have to be the world's best expert at the thing. Like you know, there might be other people out there better than you at this, and they're well known and all that. And you're not that, at least not yet. But that's okay. You can still bring value to the right people in the right situations. But somebody has to help you see that. I think absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and in many cases, like for example, that like you said, there could be somebody that's the world's expert. But for you, they're not the person for you, be it just, just there's something about you. You just they bug you or you just can't listen to them or they might be somebody else's total answer. But for you, maybe they're just not the one. So just because you're not the best person in the world for it, if you've got that thing that clicks with the client that needs you, that is 50% of the communication of the value of what you're bringing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Interesting. So let's switch topics a bit. I know that currently you're helping a lot of folks get on podcasts and promote themselves that way and other mediums as well. Mm. But tell me what's so great about podcasts today. Why do you think they're such a great opportunity? 
Well, the fact that there are now in excess of 2 million podcasts out there, mm-hmm. that there are about 160 million active listeners in the USA alone to podcasters. There are, when it comes to active podcast listeners, there are about the same number of active podcast listeners as there are people active on Twitter. Interesting. Which, just let that sink in. In addition, one of the things that's becoming even more relevant is the social media channels that maybe you were getting your content out on, you know, for marketing purposes in the past, they're becoming, as we all know, if you've been in online business for any length of time, they're really getting saturated, particularly last year with the bump of 4.4 million new American businesses coming online and crowding the space. It's really getting saturated. It's getting noisy and chaotic. And now one of the newest factors is I think it was last week, Apple is now giving the option to all Apple users to opt out of being tracked. Mm-hmm. And so I understand that Facebook and Google are losing their shit over that one. And so they should, because that's really going to interrupt their ability to track and Facebook ads rely on this. Mm-hmm. So the reach of your advertising, the reach of your organic traffic is organic reach. And those channels are just terrible right now. And it's not going to get better, but even with your paid ads, it's going to have less and less reach. Mm-hmm. However, your podcast, if you go on one podcast or you have your own podcast, you are now on as much as a dozen or more different platforms. You're on Spotify, you're on Google Podcasts, you're on iHeartRadio, all the the other big ones. They are not, unlike social media, they are not throttled. Social media will throttle you back and anything you put out there will only organically reach three to 5% of your followers. A little better on LinkedIn, but not a whole lot better. When you're on one of these podcasts, if somebody goes on it, it's not going to have like the throttling so that, you know, only the people who pay for the ads are going to get seen, your stuff is going to pop up if the right keywords are in there. So you have, and you have your links on all these channels. Now you have things pointing back to your website, which Mm -hmm. is just crazy for your SEO. The advantages, 12 different major biggest, some of the biggest planets or biggest platforms on the planet are pointing your stuff out to the world and links back to your website. You can't get that with social media marketing without Mm -hmm. paying six plus figures in ad spend. Yeah. So podcasts are huge and people are just consuming it in an increasing manner. We saw with, when you look at clubhouse over the course of the pandemic, people are really turning to audio Mm -hmm. and there's psychological studies that show that audio is much more intimate, much more calming. Mm. One of the really cool things, sorry, I can go on ad nauseum about this. One of the really cool things about podcasts, and having your your content consumed there is when people are consuming a podcast or listening to a podcast, unlike a video where I turn it on and I watch it for five minutes or less, usually less, and go like, yeah, what else? I want to see something else. I put it on my earbuds. I'm going to be working out at the gym. I'm going to be driving. I'm going to be doing housework. I'm gardening, whatever I'm doing. I don't want to keep changing channels. So I'm going to consume 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50, an hour's worth of content. So you as the podcast host or the podcast guest are getting your content into the heads, intimately into the heads of the listeners Uh in a way that you just cannot achieve with any other kind of content. Yeah. It's really interesting. (laughs) That's why I'm I'm so big on, you know, like people taking advantage of podcast guesting, podcast themselves, but also podcast guesting. It's, it's, it's huge right now. Yeah. And you know, shows tend to be really topical, obviously. So you have an audience of folks who are really bought in around a specific topic. And if they're there, they're interested in hearing about it. So if you're in the right podcast with the right audience, 
you, you have an open line to you know communicate your message to them and add value for them. That's really cool. So I definitely see the value in, in podcasts and podcast guesting. Tell me a little bit. So you developed your story and you know you want to go on podcasts. Where do you go from there? What's the process well, to get from I, A to B? I, I've actually, thinking it through, what inspired me to actually be working with people to do this is my own podcast. And I came mm-hmm. to realize, a little sidebar there, my podcast is called the She's All That Video Podcast, and it's women doing awesome shit. So when I would see a woman out there being in business or a social impact enterprise doing something that just blows my mind and I want to tell the world about them, I would invite them to be on my podcast. And I really quickly came to understand, you know how we think everybody knows what we know. I really quickly came to understand that mm, most people don't know this concept of story and communication and how it has to be structured and how people hear and listen and learn. And no, they don't know that there's a thing called a bio and you need a bio and and hashtags and keywords and pitches and like all that stuff and or what Mm -hmm. to do with it once the stuff was published, the whole marketing side. So to help those women that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about helping women entrepreneurs in particular and to help them, I thought, okay, this is what there's five steps and this is what I have to get across to people. First of all, you got to know your story because when you know your story, then you know what show should you be on? And here's how you, you figure out what shows you should be on, what kind of shows and how you search them and narrow them down. Then you got to pitch them. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to create a proper pitch, be it by email or your one sheet or your speaker media kit. And any tips on a great pitch? Like in communication, so much that, and, and I'm sure you just cringe when you hear it too. It's like people sometimes forget it's what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. If you want to be persuasive in what you're saying and you want to be collaborative in your in your conversations and communications with people, yeah, I always have to think in terms of why would they care? So you have to put it out there in terms of how it would benefit them. Don't just like I've I've had people pitch my podcast. I don't know about you, but I've had people pitch me and go like, "Hi, I want to be on your podcast. Here's a link to my website. Let me know when you want to record me." <laughs> okay, put yourself in my shoes mm-hmm. for just a little second there. I don't even know who you are. Why do I care? I don't. So, and I'm not going to go over and look at your website for 30 minutes to try to figure out how maybe I could uncover you in my show. So when you're pitching, put yourself in the shoes of the podcast host, get to know the show a little bit, listen to like, I listened to your, some of your episodes. I particularly like the one that just came out yesterday about uh, unconscious bias. Oh, great. It was a good one and get to know them and, Think, okay, how, how is it that what I have to say would actually enhance their show? Why, why am I the right fit? And then communicate that to them so that they see the benefit in having you on their show. That's, that's such an important part of the pitch. Mm-hmm. And then once you get booked, of course, how you're going to tell your story, how you're going to interact in that exchange, be it you know just audio, video, both, which in, for a lot of people right now, as much as we've been Zoomed to death for the last 14, 15 months, a lot of people still don't have the thing of video, camera, microphone, lights, earbuds, the whole thing. That's really important. I make sure they know that. And then you go out, you're a rock star on that podcast. You got to know how to collaborate with the podcast host to then help market it. Mm-hmm. Because this, this host has just done you a huge favor. Thank you, Greg. This host has done you a huge favor because they're sharing their platform with you and they are focusing on you and your message. A little bit of, of collaboration, gratitude, I don't know, goes a long way. 
because it's a joint effort. It's a joint project. So those, mm-hmm. those are basically, I said a lot, but it's five steps. And I've put that together in a guide and I just give it to people. It's like, please, please do these things. Because yeah. another saying I have is any fool can go on a podcast. And many do. <laughs> you don't want to be one of those people because that stuff stays out there forever. It does. You do not want a would-be client one year from now finding some should never have hit the airwaves podcast that makes you look like a wingnut. <laughs> so, yeah, follow the five steps, please. Now, so that's podcast. What other mediums are you directing people to today? At this point, speaking from the stages, I don't know about where you are, but uh, we are still locked down here. There are no live events happening in most parts of Canada. Mm -hmm. Some parts keep trying to do it, and then they keep having surges of virus outbreaks in their areas. But getting ready for speaking from the stage eventually, which is related. Mm -hmm. And in in some ways, I mean, it's nerve-wracking, and you're in front of people, and there's the prep and the travel and everything. But at least you, you, you're you up there, you've got your thing, you know how to tell your story, you don't have the interruptions of, you know, of, of negotiating a conversation, like say, if you're doing it in an interview. So mm-hmm. preparing people for that. Do you also help people get on stages? I don't. I actually collaborate with some companies that do that. Mm-hmm. So if it gets to the point where it's like, that's what you want to do, then I will bring in those companies. Yeah, and because it is a bit of a different, I mean, it's related, right? You still need a pitch. You still need to be yep. compelling. You need to know who target yep. audience is, all that stuff. Yep. Um, but, but every, there's every a field has sure. their, exactly. And every, and I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't want to even say that, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of how you get on XYZ stage in San Francisco for the whatever, whatever event. There are people out there who eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. So I would rather have them work with you than me. That's not, that's not my zone of genius. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned your podcast, the She's All That podcast. Tell me a little bit more about that. As I said, it started out partially because I just love telling people stories and and framing up these women that I see. That was like, you've got an amazing business. You're doing you're doing this amazing thing, but you're not getting it across. People need to know about this. So I wanted to be giving them a platform and creating content that they could be using for their marketing. As I got into my first season, it became more of a social impact businesses and social impact leaders that I ended up interviewing went deep on that. And that was season one, which was really exciting. We, we covered everything from um, diversity, inclusion, and equity in the workplace to sur- uh, helping survivors of human trafficking to the Japanese gender situation vis-a-vis politics and the pandemic right now to a brilliant scientist who is a, uh, an environmental scientist who was part of this big, once a year, a hundred women scientists are chosen to go to Antarctic. It's this month long thing and they go down and they study the effects, but they also work together to collaborate on increasing women's voices in environmental climate change discussions in the scientific field. Mm-hmm. That was fascinating. So I'm geeking out here. So oh, cool. totally into that on the, in the first season. And I'm just kicking off my second season. And now I'm focusing on women in business who are doing things that are a little bit that most traditional businesses might not have heard of or thought of, you know, like around like virtual events, Mm -hmm. like how to, I mean, to you and I, it's probably quite simple, but things like using social media in your business, uh, using 
all the different tools we can use around the analytics for your business and what it means and speaking from the stage and just all these out, outside aspects that uh, most traditional business people might not think about. So I want to be highlighting women in business doing that. Very cool. And I remember you, when we talked before, you told me a story about a woman who I believe was on the show, right? And went on to run for mayor in an area where no woman had ever run for mayor before. Yeah, that that was just like so exciting. I did that for International Women's Day, actually. And I had she and her campaign manager, who was an old friend of mine that I, when I lived in Japan, we used to organize International Women's Day events in the city of Nagoya together. And this woman that was running for mayor she knew it was a sacrificial attempt. She knew that she was paving the way for future generations or, you know, the next woman who ran. She, they took her money. They let her be a candidate. However, they would, they banned her from speaking from the stage. They wouldn't let her wow. on the stage. And in fact, I mean, that's not just Japan. There is uh, in Canada, Elizabeth May is the, was still is the leader of the Green Party. And because she doesn't have enough people in her caucus, they banned her from elect during the election campaigns. From being on the stage. Interesting. So yeah, kind of sucks. And media, it was ignoring this woman, this Japanese candidate. So what we did was do an interview with her to talk about her platform and what was going on and the needs for uh, more women's voices involved in the electoral and the political process in the post-pandemic world, and especially with climate change. And then we blasted that out and they took it to the media and said to the media, look, People from Europe and North America, everywhere in the world are looking at this and they kind of leverage the shame of like, oh yeah, why aren't we doing it? And from mm -hmm. that day on, she was allowed to speak from the stage and she got TV coverage. The, the, the media would actually show up when she did public events. So Very that cool. was just one little win from the power of podcasts. Yeah. The power of getting your message out there to a broader exactly. universe. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. Just a couple more questions I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Okay. The first is just around the power of conversation. You know, I'm a big believer that just one conversation can change the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. So I always like to ask my guests if there's one conversation that you can point to that had a really big impact on you that you'd be willing to share with us. Yeah, actually, it's a simple thing. You know, you never see these things coming. I was talking to a colleague of mine. We were both teaching university and we both had this interest in, as it happens, Social linguistic register, mm. which sounds kind Interest of everybody has, right? <laughs> but so many people are unaware of that. <laughs> well, yeah. So we're yakking away about that. And like I had studied it, I knew it. And he kind of blew my mind because we don't realize as children that we incorporate this into the way we act in the world. We speak to people slightly differently based on the differences in age or or socioeconomic standing or race or gender. We don't know it, but we're kind of code switching as we speak. Mm. And what he blew my mind that day saying was, you, September, have lived too long in a world where you get, you get to go along talking like you're an entitled male, and you freak people out because you're using the social linguistic register of a man. And I've seen you do that, and you don't know you're doing it, and you are really upsetting people. People who are really confident are not bothered by it. They're somewhat entertained. And he just blew my mind that day. I didn't, I had never applied it to myself. Mm -hmm. And I realized because I'd spent, you know, I started in engineering, a very male dominated thing. So it was okay if I spoke that way. And then when I went to Japan, I could speak any way I wanted. Of course, when I spoke Japanese, I had to use, try to use the registers. Mm -hmm. But he brought that to my attention. That was this conversation that totally changed the way I saw the way I communicated. 
and it made me aware of of that phenomena. Interesting. Yeah, and it's an interesting concept to think about just the way that we, like you said, we're code switching when we're talking to different people and the code we're using might not be the code that they have linked with how they expect us to talk, right? And that can create challenges like that. Oh my God, it can it can actually end up in anger. Like you you are so discomforting. They're, they're actually angry. They're not quite sure why they're angry with you, but I don't like you. It made me very... So, so what that actually ended up giving me was an awareness of it, made me understand that in some situations when, when it counted, I had to be able to come into that conversation and ease them from the expectations to where I am. But it also gave me the power of knowing that you don't deserve that extra work on my part. Mm, so yeah. I can choose or not choose to, to employ those tools. Powerful. So second question for you, you think about all that you've accomplished so far. If there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier for you, what would that have been? For me, that would have been the ability to flawlessly change from one language to another. Mm. I, I, I have this theory that for those of us who were unfortunate enough to have been born monolingual and, and it developed into adulthood with one language, we have, I think of it in terms of like almost one CD player. This is how long I've had this theory. It's a CD player. We have one little player in our head. Whereas like, for example, my daughter is bilingual. She was born speaking both, well, she learned Japanese and English. It's like, they've got dual players or even more. So I, when you now see people, and, and I'm conscious of it, when you see people that are bilingual, trilingual, multilingual, they can switch like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I have to go, Oh, just a minute. German, <laughs> take off the English CD, put on the German CD and like crank it up. That really puts a, you know, a halt to your conversation and, and how well you're showing up if you're staggering into competence for the first minute or two. Yeah, so that would be that would be what I, I wish I had the ability to just switch like that. I wish I had the ability to speak any other language. I've never been good with languages, you know, studied them in, in college, like Spanish in college and was was never good at it. But interestingly, so four of my I have five kids, four of them are internationally adopted. Two of them came home when they were older. So they were eight and nine. They came home from China. I didn't speak any English at the time. Wow. Today, they speak English. They write, they read all that, but they don't remember any Mandarin. You know, it's it's gone. If you ask them how to say something, they don't know how to say it. I got to think it's in there somewhere. The CD player's there. Just turn it I off. Did too. If I did you. I ever too. want to turn it back on with some training in work, it should come on a lot easier than it would for me. But right now, it's like it's blacked out for them, which is just really fascinating. Yeah, we my, certainly my didn't daughter, that. Yeah, my daughter. When she was little, little, we ended up having to come back to Canada for a couple of years, and. So she was speaking English. I was trying to speak Japanese with her, but that, that was like a one-way communication. Mama speaking crappy foreigner Japanese at her. <laughs> so did what I could. She actually had a babysitter who was from El Salvador. And some of the other kids that were there in this daycare were also Hispanic. So she heard a lot of Spanish. She, un- she By the time she finished being there at age three, she understood Spanish perfectly. She wouldn't speak it. She'd answer them in English. It's very, very hard-headed. But what's really interesting, I always thought it was in there. Recently, she started studying Spanish again because we all have the the hope to move to Mexico once the pandemic's over. Mm -hmm. And it's just coming back to her. So it was was in there. Interesting. Hopefully it's there for them too. And I got to think it is. I mean, half their lives they spoke it. So it, it has to be in their wiring somewhere. 
how can how can you even support that? Is there is there anything local where you are where you can be exposing them to it or oh, well, play with other kids? Yeah, so right now they're 18 and 19, right? So they're a little bit older now. Going to be playing with other kids? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and we've looked at, you know, lessons and getting them involved in things and have never really found the right mix that made the right sense for everybody involved. But we certainly encourage anything if they came to us and said, "Hey, we wanted to do this." We'd be all about that for sure. So last question for you. This person can be alive or dead, somebody you know or just know of, but who's the best communicator that you know and why? Oh, that would have to be Emma Goldman or um, Golda Meir. Sorry, not Emma Goldman. (laughs) Radical (laughs) Bolshevik from the 1920s. No, Golda Meir in that she was able to communicate in multiple languages she was able to communicate across cultures, across the, the gender divide, and achieve some really amazing things in consensus in one of the most war-torn fractures, divided on every level you could ever think of, pieces of land on this earth. I guess it would have to be Golda Meir. Very cool. Yeah, and that's not an answer that I've gotten before. So I love I love really? the unique answer. Yeah, I have not. <laughs> Um, what are some of the other answers you get? Oh, all over the place. You know, from my dad to my mentor to Barack Obama, you know, Nelson Mandela, those kinds of folks. So it's 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 all over the board. But last last question for you, where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you if they're interested in working with you to develop their own story and get on podcasts? How can they connect? LinkedIn. That's my social media platform of choice. I try to have a presence as I mean, we're all strapped for time. I try to have a presence on um, Instagram and Facebook and try not to get too crazy about Twitter. Great source of news, but like, no, I just can't be too active there. LinkedIn would be mine. Got it. So reach out, find John LinkedIn, September Smith, pretty easy to find, fairly unique name, which is awesome. And reach out to her. Tremendous guidance around just how to develop a story and I think how to use it to get your message out. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to share that with the audience today. Oh, thanks so much, Greg. And it was really, really fun talking with you because I really have a passion about this, this whole topic too. Thanks so much for your time. Sure thing. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.